you have questions like Jesse does, maybe you need to get back to the basics. Enjoy this B2B message from Pastor Jason. Good evening, Reality Church. Welcome to tonight's B2B um, lesson. Um, Hope that you are all well. Um, We are still continuing with our Apostles' Creed breakdown, line-by-line exposition, whatever you want to call it. Um, But first, let me call you to worship, because anytime that we gather together, whether it's online or, or in person, I want to call you to worship the one true king. And uh, tonight I'm going to use Psalm 5, 7 through 8. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time that we have to gather together and learn from your word, God. We thank you for this creed that helps to keep us on the guideposts, God, and helps to direct our paths a little bit better as we learn and we establish what is most important to know about your word and what we should believe and and that our theology is something that is important. So God, it's important to know as much as we can about you and all of your ways, God. We lift you up as holy tonight, God. We, We give you honor. We set aside this time to just learn from you, God. We thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that's at work in all of us, teaching us your ways and showing us more clearly your word, God. We ask that tonight you would let this be a lesson that we would never forget, God, that it be something that would change our hearts, God, and to bring us one step closer to you and and mold us into your image. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let me first uh, say the Apostles' Creed. Um, Hopefully you have a copy of this or a way that you can look at this and and understand it uh, better. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. So, as we have gone through, we've we've gone through many of the uh, lines. We're close to halfway through the Apostles' Creed, and now we come to the line, he descended into hell. Now, over the years that the Apostles' Creed has been established and used, this has been one of the more controversial, let's say, lines um, of the Creed. Uh, Many lines have been added throughout the years. It was an added line. It wasn't in the very, very first iteration or example of the Apostles' Creed, which was more of called the Roman symbol, but it is omitted by some churches and some believers. Um, 
my hope is that by the end of this teaching that you would see that it that it does have a definite place in the creed and not only that that it is a actually a very powerful part of the creed in helping us to view the work of Christ and what has actually been done for us so I would hope that this teaching would help you to understand that. Now, from the get-go, there's one thing we must understand. There is a heresy that has circulated through the church um, that's been tied to this line. Um, and honestly, this is most likely the reason for the apprehension that some have for for saying this portion of the Apostles' Creed. Um this, this heresy is actually currently popular in the Word of Faith theology. Um, they've, they've taken this line and, and taken some verses completely out of context and made it into something else. Um, but don't you understand this? Just because there's a not true part um, that somebody has added in and they've tied it to this, this actual phrase doesn't make the whole phrase something we throw out because I want us to really get to the bottom of this. Now, let's talk about this heresy. Um, they state, those who hold to this heresy, they state that Christ actually, when he died and was buried in the grave, that he actually went to the lake of fire and suffered in hell, the lake of fire hell. Um, that is utter and complete heretical teaching. Absolute heresy. This is God the Son. The idea that God the Son would have to suffer in the lake of fire is completely against anything that the Bible teaches about what happened during the atonement. And it is ridiculous. Um, also, like many heresies, it's very easily disproven in one way. The Word of God. He told the thief who was next to him on the cross, the thief who basically repented, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Um, the lake of fire is not paradise. Okay? So, that automatically throws out that heresy even being possible. Okay? So, let's look at two other biblical views um, on this line and what it kind of says. Um, first is the view that Christ went to Hades. Now, um, because of language, Hades has actually been translated a lot of times hell um, for us. Um, Hades is actually not the lake of fire. It is. It was a place of holding for those who passed away before Christ. For those who passed away before Christ, they would go into... If, if they had, you know, followed the law and, and done those things, they would go into 
Abraham's bosom. And then there are those who actually went to torment in fire. Um, Jesus mentions both of these things in, a par- in his parable about Lazarus and the rich man. Um, that there was that that Lazarus died and he woke up um, in Abraham's bosom, and then across a great chasm the rich man had died and he woke up, and in hell he lifted up his eyes in fire. So the idea was that Christ went to this holding place, um, the bosom of Abraham, if you will, um, if that's if if, if that that helps to kind of describe the place, um, that he went into this place and he declared who he was, that he was the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah who had been prophesied, the seed of the woman. He went and declared who he was and that he had completed victory. He had attained victory over sin and that, that the work was done. And as he as he ministered to these people and declared these things, he later took them with him, relocating them to paradise in heaven. So now, as we see in Scripture, it says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we die, we are in heaven until that, that resurrection day, the last resurrection day. Now, I don't disagree with this view. Um, in fact, I see a lot of uh, biblical evidence for this. I don't think it's a negative view at all. I think it is. Um, this is a theological point that is that is most likely true based on the evidence of Scripture, um, and, and and so I, I see nothing wrong with holding this view. My thing is that I prescribe to a, a another explanation as it as it pertains to this line of the Apostles' Creed. Um, that doesn't mean that the other one's wrong. But I think in order for us to truly understand the Apostles' Creed, and 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 what's been done for us and the atonement that we have received in Christ, I think we need to look at this other view. Because I feel that to me it it really stands out as more of a theological guideline for me using this creed. So, um, I want to take you to scripture um, to look at this. Now, hear the infallible, inspired word of God. Let's go to Matthew twenty-seven verses forty-five through fifty. Now, from the sixth hour, there was a darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word and the glory that is contained within it, God, that we can see all that you would have us to know. God, we have a clear revelation of who you are because of your word, and we thank you for that, that we have access to it. God, right now, we ask that you would remove the veil, that we may see you clearly revealed through this scripture, God. God, we ask that you would 
Bless us with that revelation knowledge that we may retain it and use it in our daily lives. God, we ask that the Holy Spirit would illuminate this verse for us, these verses that are so important. God, thank you for this creed that helps us to have a guidepost. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we're looking at this, Calvin, many other theologians, look at this moment upon the cross and tie it directly to the line of the Apostles' Creed. He descended into hell. Okay? And also, as I was doing some research, I saw Matt Chandler had a had a sermon on this. Um, he did an exposition of the Apostles' Creed as well. I, I actually watched this sermon. It was amazing. Took a lot of really good points. I think he really did a wonderful job bringing out the, this this side of what the creed is. So I want to look at verse 45 real quick. Just as a, as a cool aside, in verse 45 it says, Now from the sixth hour there was a darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Something very cool, very historic. Um, and Matt Chandler points this out, that there is a historical correlation to this verse. Um, in written history, um, throughout the region, throughout the area of written history, um, about this time, there was a day that there was a full moon in the morning with an eclipse darkening the sun at about the time that we see here. It was written about because full moons and eclipses of the sun generally don't happen on the same day. In fact, they never happen on the same day, ever. So we have here a historical landmarker showing us um, the historicity of Christ and his death upon the cross and that these things were not just metaphors. The sun was darkened at the ninth hour. So, then we go to verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this is where I want to focus. I want to focus in on this verse. Jesus says in this verse, my God, my God. This was the only time that Jesus did not address God as Father. This is a very powerful moment, what's happening here. This is a poignant moment when God must turn from his own Son. And he becomes God, not Father right now. Because he has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He laid upon Christ all of our sin in this moment. And it was so offensive he had to turn. So Christ cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that's not all. He is pouring his wrath upon Jesus on the cross. He is pouring out the punishment 
for sin. The wrath for sin. Now, on this earth, we do not see the full wrath of God on full display. We don't see it there. Um, Matt Chandler made a great point about God. You see, we are all saved or unsaved, we are all in a state of, of being under God's common grace. That means, you know, we have the sun and, and water and and food and good things and, and, and the opportunity to, to, to work and all these things. These are common graces that, you know, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. We're all under that common grace right now with our God. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful to be under his common grace um, because it's giving those who are not in Christ time uh, to come to him without experiencing the full wrath of God here on this earth. Even though they are sinners, even though they're offensive, even though I was a sinner, I was offensive. I did offensive things called sin. I, I was no good. I had a heart of stone. I was filthy. I was not worth saving. He showed common grace until the point when I was 16 years old when I repented and placed my trust in Christ. So, that common grace is a wonderful thing that we all experience on this earth. Now, here's the thing. Hell is a place where common grace is withdrawn. There is no common grace anymore in hell. His presence there has no grace at all. His presence in hell is as judge. Judge for sin and its offense. He is pouring out all of his wrath in hell. Those in hell have no rest from, from his wrath at all. He is so holy and sin is so offensive to him that it is constant wrath, constant judgment, constant torment in hell. Why? Because that sin is so offensive to a holy, holy, holy God. We must understand this. Now look, the phrase about Christ in this creed is, he descended into hell. You see, at the moment we are seeing Christ here in this, in this verse, God is pouring out his full wrath upon his son. The full wrath. Not a part the full wrath. For us who are in Christ, it's the wrath that we deserve to have poured on us. Yet he is pouring it on his son. The full weight of sin is upon Christ and also the full wrath of God for all those who would come to him. So on the cross, as God is pouring out his wrath, Christ is experiencing hell 
itself. He is experiencing the complete removal of any grace and the full wrath of God upon him. He experienced on the cross the hell that was our just reward. What a Savior. What an awesome, awesome Savior. You see, his father had to turn from that sin, and as he turned back towards his son, it was in wrath, and he had to pour out his wrath. And as Christ drank the bitter cup of that wrath, he drank it in full. He took it all for us who are his, all who would be born again. Christ has taken your sin, and he has taken the full wrath. He has taken all of hell that was necessary to punish those sins. He took them all upon the cross, upon himself. So, why is this line of the creed so important? I think for three reasons that we should never forget, ever. First, it shows the seriousness of sin. You see, sin, in our culture, we diminish it to mistakes, failures, issues, problems, shortcomings, all of these things. It's sin. Sin means not following the standard that our God has set. Missing the mark that he has made. Now, I heard it described this way. It's as if instead of, if we had a, an, a target, the mark in the center is what we're aiming for. It's as if we pulled our bow back. And instead of shooting towards the target and missing it just a little, we actually turned the opposite way and just shot it off into the distance. That's a good description. Sin is awful. It is an offense to God. It is so serious. This is how serious it is. It is so serious that in order to be redeemed to a holy God who is offended by sin, God himself, God the Son, had to come take on human form with his godly form, the, the fullness of his deity dwelt bodily. He was all God, all man. He had to come and he had to be beaten, terribly disfigured, nailed to a cross, naked for all of the world to see. And he had to hang there and he had to asphyxiate on his own blood. But it wasn't just the physical pain. He had to take sin. He is a holy God. He had to take sin, the worst thing. Not just one sin, not just a few sins. The sin of all whom he would redeem. He had to take all of those sins upon himself. 
and as if that wasn't bad enough, because he had taken all those sins upon himself, he had to then endure the wrath of God. A wrath so awful it's reserved for hell. That's how serious sin is. That's how offensive it is to our holy God. But it's also important because it shows the unbelievable power of the love of God. The love of God is so powerful that Christ explained it very clearly. Greater love has no person ever than the one who would lay down his life for his friends. Christ took upon himself that sin. He took upon himself that wrath. He endured it to the end. And as he shouted with a loud voice, to tell us die, it is finished, and he died, he showed the unbelievable love that God has for us, that he would die to redeem us. And it's so powerful. But last of all, the reason it's so important is that it shows us exactly how grateful we should be to be redeemed. For we could never imagine the awfulness of the wrath of God to come upon us who are sinners. Without Christ, we get that wrath. Without Him, we have no hope. We should, of all people, be the most grateful because our God has gone as far as anyone could go to redeem us, to save us, to set us free, and to translate us into His kingdom as sons and daughters adopted by the awesome power of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We should be so grateful because there's nothing we could have done to save ourselves. It needed to be Him. And oh, what a great work He did. What an awesome Savior He is. That He has saved us to the uttermost. And we are forever preserved in His hand. So, we say this line of the creed as an awesome reminder of what Christ has endured to save us. That's why it's an important part of the creed. That's why it shouldn't be left out, in my opinion. I think that he descended into hell, set us free from the wrath that we never could have endured ourselves. He is forever, forever our Savior. What a great Savior He is. So, remember that today. Remember that tonight. Let that be something that changes your life this week. That as we look at the cross and we see our Savior stretched out, humiliated, our sins laid upon Him, the wrath of God being poured out for that sin upon Him. And we repent and we trust in Him and we are set free from it. And He did the work so completely. And now He is seated at the right hand of God in power, making His enemies His footstool. 
So we have a lot to be grateful for. A lot. I want to pray for you tonight. Because I pray that as we were, we've been going through this Apostles' Creed, I pray that it's been something that's been changing your heart and changing your life and making you see things as you never have before, making you see more clearly who God is and what He has done. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those who are lost, who don't know Christ, who have not repented and placed their trust in Christ for salvation. Listen. He's your only hope. Run to Him. When this life ends, it's too late. He's your only hope. He's the hope of eternal life. And He will set you free from the wrath of God to come. Run to Him. And for those of you who are in Christ, I pray that you would let this change you. Let it become the most grateful person you know because you're grateful for what God has done. Let's pray together. Father God, you are holy and you are just and you are powerful and merciful. There is no one like you. We lift you up with honor and glory this morning, this evening, knowing that you have forever paid the price you have taken our place. You have been our substitute and atoned for us in a way that we could never even imagine. It's so unbelievable what you have done for us. It's so powerful to know that you are God. Have chosen to redeem us. Thank you so much for that. Father, we pray right now for those who may not know you. Holy Spirit, Woo those people, convict them of their sin, that they may have their heart of stone removed and the heart of flesh placed in their chest, that they may repent and trust in the gospel and what it says about what you have done for them before it's too late. And Father, I ask for those who are in Christ that they may know the power of your majesty, the glory that is who you are, and the awesome power of your love that was shown upon that cross. Jesus, where you took our sin, you took our wrath. You took it all. And now you've paid a price that we could never pay. Let us be the most grateful people on this earth. We give you honor and praise tonight for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we will be live in the house this Sunday at Reality Church, 11 a.m. Hope to see you there. Um, we will also be having our fall family get-together on the 25th. Hope you can join us for that. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord Lift up it, Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name.
We hope you were blessed by this message from Pastor Jason. If you like what you heard, go ahead to our Facebook page and like Reality Church. Also, go on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Reality Church. God bless you. Thank you.